This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Fast-growing fires and evacuation orders, and it's not even the middle of May. Why the early start to the fire season is so worrying. Ten stings will put you in the hospital, 30 will kill you. A frightening invasive species arrives in B.C. Why the giant Japanese hornet has experts concerned. It's Park Board jurisdiction and it's one of our most iconic spots in the city. Plus, the brewing battle over who gets to decide the future of some of Vancouver's most popular beaches and parks. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. We'll get to those stories in a moment. But first, breaking news. A serious crash closing Highway 1 to traffic in the Fraser Valley. Crews responded to the collision just after noon near the 264th Street exit. Two people were pulled from the wreckage and airlifted to hospital. At this point, there is no word on their conditions. Police closed the westbound lanes of the highway, turning all of that traffic around and sending them back to Mount Lehman. As you can imagine, that has caused huge traffic backups all the way through Abbotsford, with some drivers saying they were stuck for two hours or longer. Those backups delaying Mother's Day plans for thousands of people. Drive BC says the road is supposed to reopen anytime now. The wildfire situation across BC kicking into high gear much earlier than we're used to. The combination of record heat, a low snowpack, and already dry forests making for conditions in mid-May that mimic what we've become used to seeing in July. As Grace Key reports, this weekend has seen a number of new fires reported, one of which has triggered the evacuation of a number of homes. Changing winds could threaten a wildfire that's burning near Fraser Lake, west of Prince George. Believed to be human-caused, the four-hectare fire was discovered Saturday afternoon and quickly grew to 260 hectares by Sunday morning. We're told to expect uh, a 180-degree change in the, in the uh, wind, and so that's a big concern to us uh, because we don't know what that's going to mean to the guard lines that, that are there now. The fire is not yet contained, but it is 70% guarded, meaning it's being manually or machine guarded. An evacuation order is in effect that could involve up to a half dozen residences. Another 40 people received an alert Saturday night, so they may be forced to leave at a moment's notice. After lunch yesterday, we were at our house and then um, we could see the smoke flumes going up, so it kind of gets scary to us. 30 firefighters, three helicopters, and 15 pieces of equipment are all being used to tackle the blaze. Crews were able to stop it from spreading overnight. The community of Lejack and the Fraser Lake Sawmill are both in the area. The sawmill is a concern. Uh, it's a major employer in our area, and so uh, we want to make sure that uh, there's no chance that there's a problem there. 
So far, there's been 148 wildfires in the province since April 1st, and crews will be keeping a close eye on the changing weather conditions. The hot and dry, you know, unseasonably hot and dry conditions are expected uh, to uh, peter off over the next few days, but many parts of the province are not going to be getting a whole lot of rain or at least a variable amount of rain into the next week. So certainly bracing for some activity to continue here. It's been a busy spring, but the core summer season will depend on how much rain the province gets in the next few weeks. Grace Key, Global News. Ground and air crews attacking this out-of-control fire burning just east of the Barnhartville area of Kamloops. That fire is about four hectares in size, but is growing since it was first spotted early this afternoon. Sections of Dallas Drive have been shut down, and while there are structures in the area, at the moment none of them are threatened. Smoke from that fire visible from highways 1 and 97 and across much of the city. The heat this weekend breaking longtime records in the Okanagan and cranking up the concern about drought and fire conditions before summer has even started. Shelby Tom reports. I come in last, but I come in. The Okanagan heat wave isn't stopping 86-year-old Florida town from competing in Penticton's outrigger canoe race on Sunday morning. We had no wind on the water. Just enough haze that it wasn't too hot. A bit of a cooler day after record-shattering weather in Penticton and Summerland on Saturday, with temperatures soaring into the 30s. This is what I moved here for. Mitro Gordy is launching his pontoon boat on Skaha Lake. For the first time this season. That's no real high speed and it's just enjoying the weather and the scenery. But the hot and dry conditions means BC's fire danger rating is keeping pace with the thermometer. According to the BC Wildfire Service, the fire danger rating is considered moderate to high across the Okanagan. Definitely ongoing concerns there. Uh, no current open burning bans in place in the Okanagan region, which falls under what we call the Camelot's Fire Centre for that region. Uh, but certainly those conversations are starting uh, to, to occur now, just given the conditions that we're seeing. With a major fire already burning in northern BC on the heels of two record-setting wildfire seasons, residents are on edge. It worries me a lot. It's a shame because the summers, when it's smoked in, are, are not as much fun. It's in the back of uh, probably everybody's mind. Hoping for some uh, blue skies uh, more than cloudy, more than smoke. But don't expect this hot weather to stick around in the Okanagan. Temperatures are forecast to drop to 17 degrees Celsius by Tuesday with a chance of showers rolling in. Shelby Tom, Global News, Penticton. Let's check in with Yvonne now. Yes, a change is coming, but there is a risk of thunderstorms. Yes, so we are going to see that ridge break down. That's what's been giving us uh, the hot and dry temperatures or conditions. It is going to break down. Moisture is going to move in, but the system is going to stall across the province, and we're keeping a close eye with it. There's lots of instability. We could see the risk of a thunderstorm popping up over the next few days. And a quick glance at a few of the statistics that we've seen so far. So 148 fires to date since April the 1st, 33 active fires, and over the past 48 hours, human, eight human caused, and one lightning caused. Now, the fire danger rating, moderate to high for most areas. It's still at extreme, so we will be tracking that moisture. Some rain moving in across the south coast. More on the timing and the temperatures and how cool it will be throughout the week. Back to you, Jordan. All right, thanks, Yvonne. Now to a NewsHour follow-up on a shocking attack. Last July, a man in his 20s and a dog both suffered serious injuries when they were stabbed in two separate incidents. Now, as Kristen Robinson reports, both the human and canine victims have recovered, and their attacker has been charged. Do you want to go down to the water? Ten months after a life-changing incident, 12-year-old Copper is almost back to normal. 
his owner still healing. It's not something that you, you just get over. It'll be there for quite a while. Last July, Rose Steinmeier was walking her golden retriever Rottweiler cross in the heart of Kitsilano when a stranger attacked. I remember looking up the street and seeing him coming towards me and with the knife in the blood thinking I had interrupted a movie shoot. The pair tried to cross the street, but it was too late. I remember turning around when Copper had stopped to sniff a pole in time to see him knock the dog over and start stabbing. No, no, no worries. Not so all my much. pleasure. Fortunately, witnesses rushed to help, subduing the assailant and pulling Copper to safety. Those are the things I really want to remember. The people who were there, the, the ones who helped, the ones who didn't need to get involved, but they did. After a struggle, the suspect arrested near West 4th and U. The rampage began a few blocks away, where the same suspect is accused of stabbing a former roommate. 26-year-old Kyle Michael Arnold is charged with aggravated assault, causing unnecessary pain and suffering to an animal, and assaulting a peace officer. I wish him the best. I mean, if this is, if this is a medical condition, then please get the treatment you need and try to make something positive out of this. Come on! This senior canine survivor struggling with a lag in his right front leg. I think you have a visitor coming over. <laughs> but still strong enough to make friends with strangers. He still plays, he still walks, so we're lucky. Kristen Robinson, Global News. On a sunny day, the beaches and parks of Vancouver's West End are packed with people making the most of what the city has to offer. But now Vancouver City Hall is looking at a major plan to revitalize the area. And as Tanya Beja reports, one park board commissioner says those decisions aren't the city's to make. In a city with no shortage of parks and beaches, Vancouver's English Bay is among the most beloved. This is one of my favorite places in the world and it, I can't see it being improved. I like it the way it is. I don't know what they would need to change. The city wants to create a master plan for the area from the Burrard Bridge to the foot of Davie Street and recently put out a call for consultants interested in the redesign. The problem is Sunset Beach and English Bay are within the park board's jurisdiction and commissioners say they weren't told. It would be similar to saying there was something going out to say we want to look at, uh, at Stanley Park without the park board commissioners having any input. I mean, it just, to me, it's quite off the chart. The West End is expected to welcome 18,000 more residents over the next 20 years. The redesign would help deal with impacts on park and beach facilities. But commissioners question whether a complete overhaul is the best use of taxpayer money. I think there was a change in the election and I think there, it's time to really, uh, you know, pause and make sure that we're doing things that reflect the priorities of the new board and the new council. I'm just hearing about it today and obviously the park board haven't heard about it. So it does put us in an awkward position where we... We can't defend it or we can't really speak to it because we're just finding out that like everyone else. Even city councillors were caught off guard by Vancouver's call for consultants but say they recognize the area could use improvements. From the aging aquatic centre to the crowded seawall, no shortage of recommendations. There should be a little more delineation between pedestrians and cyclists and stuff just so it makes it easier and nobody gets angry. I would love to see it cleaned up a lot more. Um, it kind of looks like they've just abandoned it. A playground where there's swings and stuff and slides. Whatever changes to come, 
City councilors say Vancouverites will have a voice. This is something that needs to be done. It's how we do it and how we engage uh, the people of Vancouver in, in talking about how we do it. That's the important conversation. Tanya Beja, Global News. A motion before Vancouver City Council would turn up the legal heat on the organizers of the 420 protest turned festival. If passed, the motion would direct city staff to look at different legal actions that could be taken against not only the 420 organizers, but also the vendors and contractors involved in the event to help the Park Board and City Hall recover their costs. Unlike every other festival of its size, the annual 420 event at Sunset Beach remains unsanctioned and unpermitted. It is going to be a busy week in B.C. politics. We are expecting to get some answers in the legislature spending scandal as well as a yes or no decision on a public inquiry into money laundering. For more, let's go to our Legislative Bureau Chief, Keith Baldry in Victoria. So, Keith, let's start with those two bombshell reports on money laundering. You think the Mm -hmm. government is leaning towards an inquiry? I do, Jordan. I think others do as well. These are the two bombshell reports. They landed with quite the wallop uh, last week. And Premier Horgan basically indicating that there's going to be a big announcement on Wednesday. Now, to me, I don't think the Premier uh, goes out of his way to tell reporters, hey, something big's happening uh, if something is not going to uh, happen. So here's the Premier uh, talking to reporters last Friday, again, dropping a hint of what's to come this Wednesday. Uh, This money laundering uh, revelation on the housing side, I believe, will shock the public. And I'm hopeful that it will shock the federal government into more action. And I look forward to that action in the future. We will receive the reports that were tabled yesterday. We'll have deliberations and we'll have something to say at the end of that meeting. And the timing of that, that meeting? The meeting is on Wednesday. We meet every Wednesday. All right. We're also expecting to see the McLaughlin report on the legislature spending scandal. Yes, that's already been in the hands of the three uh, House leaders, legislator House leaders, for well more than a week now. Uh, we do expect it to be released this week. As early, I'm told, Jordan, as early as Tuesday. That could come out the day before the money laundering uh, public inquiry is called. What, in terms of what's in it, again, the Speaker, Daryl Pleck, has let slip at those controversial remarks he made last week at a, a gathering of local politicians. He said, if you liked what was in my report, go, get, you'll be pleased to see what's in the next one that's coming. Presumably, he was talking about the McLaughlin report, which uh, in his view backs up his allegations and assertions. So as you said off the top, a busy week. It always is over here. Uh, We're expecting the McLaughlin report probably first early in the week and then that uh, big public inquiry announcement from the Premier and his cabinet on Wednesday. And I'm betting it's a green light to a commission of inquiry headed up probably, I'm betting, by a retired judge. All right. Yes, it will be a busy week. So thanks for working the Sunday for us, Keith. All right. With road construction season in full swing, police are going to be cracking down on drivers speeding through construction zones. The RCMP Integrated Road Safety Unit will be launching their ninth annual Cone Zone Traffic Enforcement Blitz during the Monday morning rush. Police will be out in force in those construction zones, checking for cell phone use, speeding and aggressive driving, and drivers who disobey flag people or signs. The fines for those infractions can be hefty. And surveillance video capturing a crash at a car dealership yesterday morning. Watch the top right of your screen as a black Jeep Cherokee smashes into a white Jeep at the Willowbrook dealership along the Langley Bypass, ending up on top of the parked vehicle. Police say the lone male driver was trapped briefly before being rescued unhurt. He was given a violation ticket, but alcohol is not believed to be a factor. Days after a Vancouver woman found a scorpion in her kitchen, a North Vancouver couple discovered what looks like a Japanese giant hornet. 
Valerie Greer says her boyfriend found this huge wasp at his waterfront workplace. Fearing the sting of the four-centimeter-long insect, the couple is keeping it under wraps at their home. They've been in touch with UBC's entomology lab. If it is a Japanese giant hornet, a local vet says it's only dangerous if you have an allergy to wasp venom. So the risk is low. Whether it came in on a container ship or not, we don't know. But they definitely, we've been told uh, by the entomology department at both UBC and the Royal BC Museum that it doesn't belong here. In doing our research, we found out too that 10 stings will put you in the hospital, 30 will kill you. And those, the hornet, they can sting you several times, not just like honeybee, they can sting you once and they, they die because uh, they have kind of the special uh, stingers. Uh, the honeybees, well, could be the whole hive that wipe out by those hornets in like three or four hours. It is one of the better parts of human nature, the drive to jump into action and help animals in distress. Now because of that impulse, an eagle is at the Orphan Wildlife Society in Delta, recovering from injuries that would otherwise have been deadly. And as Global's Paul Johnson reports, the rehabilitation group is now looking for the man whose actions saved the eagle's life. Coming into the examination room for a progress check, Abby the eagle has really done a number on his wing. Right now, it appears that there's a fracture at the elbow. We're calling him Abby because he was found on the side of Highway 1 in Abbotsford. Then we'll just rewrap it. They think he's about two years old, pretty skinny for his age, and was probably hit by a vehicle. Quite often, you know, they're flying back and forth over the highway for getting to different feeding areas, or if there's roadkill. Um, they tend to hang out at the roads. So they've got a rehab plan in place, and the raptor specialists at Delta's Orphan Wildlife Rehabilitation Society are the experts at getting these birds flying again, which is what will have to happen for Abby. Take a look at this. They call this their field flight cage. It's 300 feet long. Now, if Abby gets healthy enough, eventually they're going to put him in here so he can practice flying again. Inside, you can see other bald eagles testing out their wings and getting ready for release. Whether Abby will get there, though, is still unknown. At this point, it's a 50-50 shot, whether he will be releasable or not. Um, judging by where the fracture is and how the fracture is, we just don't know. Enjoying some quail in his cage. It's a good sign he's eating. But aside from whether he makes it out again, there's another question hanging over Abby's story. Who was the man who found him? The person who found it apparently was a homeless uh, man uh, who was walking down the highway. Um, we don't know who he was. And they'd like to get in touch with him, not only to thank him for wrapping Abby in his jacket and rescuing him, but if rehab succeeds, he's invited for the moment when Abby would make his return to the sky. We would notify him so he could come uh, for the release if everything went according to plan. In Delta, Paul Johnson, Global News. 
Yvonne and Barry join us now. First of all, happy Mother's Day to mm -hmm. all the mothers out there today. Hope you had a great day. And it was a nice day for a walk with mom. Yeah, very pleasant. Not as hot as yeah. the record-breaking heat that we saw over the past few days. And we've had uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so three days of record-breaking heat. Not quite record-breaking today, but still very warm for many spots in the interior. Soya still climbing up to 30 degrees. And areas near Kamloops today topping out at 27. We've been advertising a change on the way, some rain developing. Uh, we could see it heavy times for a few spots across the south coast, but there is that instability. The risk of thunderstorms will have more on that, and I'll talk about some of the record-breaking temperatures that we did see yesterday. I'll show you those, too. Uh, we need some rain. That fire danger map you showed us is looking a bit scary. Yes, and year. exactly what we said at the top of the show, looking more like July. Yeah, exactly. Mm. A couple of very important games tonight. Yeah, really tense, tense yeah. uh, playoff <laughs> action if you're fans of the Vancouver Giants and the Raptors. The Giants in uh, Game 6 in Prince Albert, 2-2 late in the second. We have highlights of that coming up. And the Raptors in a winner-take-all Game 7 against the 76ers. They were tied at last look, under two minutes to go. So it's going to come down to the wire. Raptors games could be over by the time I come back, unless it goes to overtime. But right. uh, yeah, tense times. You'll fill us in. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I will. Canadian Forces troops now on the ground in the Ottawa River Valley where the flood water just keeps climbing. The soldiers helping sandbag homes and businesses and provide some relief to residents of communities like Pembroke, some of whom have been battling the floods for two weeks. Some people have been completely cut off for days as boats are the only way to get around. As if the situation wasn't bad enough, there's more rain and high wind in the forecast. Further downstream, flood-weary residents in Quebec are also still on edge. Although floodwaters began to recede last week, heavy rain Friday and more in the forecast is keeping everyone on guard. Phil Carpenter reports. Each wave throws up more water, slowly increasing the amount of water in this parking lot by the waterfront in St. Anne de Bellevue. Yeah, yeah, well, Didn't that's it. The if the water was. goes up, uh, there's not going to be any more parking back there. Floodwaters from the Lake of Two Mountains have been slowly rising since heavy rains last week. It's discouraging to some residents because things were looking up. It went down a little bit. It receded about a week ago, but it's been up now and it's rising daily. It's obviously at risk of going over now. The town issued a warning advising residents that though significant rainfall wasn't expected over the weekend, the lake level had risen about 13 centimeters in two days and is expected to go up another five centimeters by Sunday night. Now, once again, sections of the waterfront in St. Anne Village have been closed off. Well, it's, it's over the dike. It's, it's, on the, it's past the boardwalk. It has restaurant managers like O'Connell on edge. For now, they're managing to keep most of the water out of the basement with pumps. But too much water could change things. If the water rises too fast, I have all my freezers downstairs. I'm at risk of losing stock. His restaurant is open, but his and others are losing business. This is our footpath. This is our foot traffic. So, it, you know, it's, it's having an effect on us for sure. Some people uh, completely avoid the area. And, uh, yeah. Now all they can do is wait and hope the water starts receding again soon. Authorities do expect things to stabilize. The hope is that Mother Nature cooperates. Tuesday is going to rain. Oh, dear. Yeah. Phil Carpenter, Global News, St. Anne de Bellevue.
Terrifying moments for the passengers and crew aboard a Myanmar National Airlines flight. After the plane's front landing gear failed to deploy, the pilots circled several times, dumping fuel before attempting a landing without the nose wheel. The plane touched down safely before skidding to a stop. The 82 passengers and seven crew on board were unhurt. The cause of the landing gear failure is under investigation. A string of missile tests by North Korea making sure that country's nuclear ambitions will be at the top of the agenda. At the high-stakes meeting between the U.S. Secretary of State and Russian President Vladimir Putin. Also on the table, Russian meddling in elections in the U.S. and other countries. Here in South Korea, they are looking nervously north at the possibility of new missile tests by Kim Jong-un. There's also growing skepticism here at the progress of talks, not just between South Korea and the North, they seem to be stalled, but also between the North and the U.S. To that end, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is preparing to visit Russia. He's expected to meet President Vladimir Putin on Tuesday and on the agenda will be North Korea. Remember last month, President Putin himself met for the first time with Kim Jong-un in Vladivostok. The punishing sanctions still remain on North Korea and the threat remains from North Korea to U.S. troops in Japan and Guam to U.S. bases here in South Korea. So the talks appear to be stalled. Uh, Two rounds of missiles have been fired and people here in South Korea, scepticism growing uh, that these talks will actually make much progress. Bill Neely, NBC News, Seoul, South Korea. Members of the animal kingdom also getting some Mother's Day treats. This animal mom got more than the bear necessities for Mother's Day. The bear in Berlin Zoo was given a bouquet filled with delicacies as a special Mother's Day treat. Mother bear Tanya enjoyed the present, but not as much as her five-month-old cub, Hertha. The polar bear-friendly treat included twigs, apples, fish, and ice. All right, let's check in with Yvonne. A bit cooler and cloudier today. Yes, and depending on where you are and at what hour, we saw a few breaks in the cloud, which is very pleasant out there. Here's a shot overlooking our tower cam. And once again, happy Mother's Day to my mom and all the moms out there. Hope you got out and enjoyed the day today. 16 with a cloud cover, southeasterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. Yesterday, record-breaking temperatures. We had four the day before. We were up to 26. Uh, Penticton was included within that. Summerland, very impressive, getting up to 30.1. The old record back in 1931 was 29.4 Whistler up to 26 in areas near Clinton up to 25 it wasn't record breaking today getting up to 16 out of the airport right where we should be for this time of the year and it is cooling off if you're looking from a break from the heat into our work week a record on this day would be 24 degrees and that was set back in 1988 we are seeing some cool marine air pushing in across the province and the ridge is weakening we are going to see that moisture with the system stalling over once again the change across most areas will be on Tuesday. Pushing in towards the interior, we'll be looking at rain. Not a significant amount of moisture and with the system across the province, we are looking even at the risk of thunderstorms. Putting the future cast into play, so tomorrow a dry one to kick things off. We're back to work and back to school and it'll be on our Tuesday morning that we'll start to see that rain moving in. Heavy at times, it'll be heaviest on our Tuesday and then still unsettled for both our Wednesday, Thursday. Putting the future rainfall into play, we could see by Thursday 
uh, anywhere between 15 or up to 20 millimeters across the south coast. For the northeastern corners tomorrow, 13 with a dry day, some sunny breaks and then cloud cover, but it looks to remain dry for the next three. Whitehorse sunny and dry, cloud cover pushing in on Tuesday and rain developing on Wednesday. Along the north coast, one more dry day. Inland regions could get up to 18 degrees. Heaviest rainfall on Tuesday. Caribou and central interior pleasant tomorrow with a partly cloudy sky up to 17. On and off showers on Tuesday. Columbia and Kootenai region, a warm one still for tomorrow up to 27 degrees cooling off on Tuesday but rebounding quickly on your Wednesday and the tops in Okanagan it'll be a nice bright and dry start to the morning an increase in cloud cover for tomorrow a transition day but still up to 24 and then rain or showers on Tuesday Whistler up to 18 degrees cooling off Tuesday Wednesday and across the island that's the plan right for the south coast we will see the sunshine still for tomorrow and then it's Tuesday Wednesday Thursday onwards that we are going to be seeing some on and off rainfall Heaviest will be on our Tuesday. Through the day tomorrow, though, nice and bright for a few spots, up to 17 degrees. But a heads up, much cooler, especially in comparison to what we've been seeing over the past few days. Jordan? For sure. Thanks, Yvonne. An Arkansas grandma decided to spend her 86th birthday in the air. After dreaming about skydiving for years, Rosie Johnson's family and friends helped her make it a reality. Rosie Johnson wanted to take her 80th birthday to new heights, 10,000 feet to be exact. After years of dreaming of skydiving, today Rosie's family and friends helped make it a reality. My husband never would let me do this, so I don't have a husband anymore. So I'm doing what I want to do, and this is what I've always wanted to do. Rosie says even though she knows her late husband Bill would not approve, this was something she has been determined to cross off her bucket list. Getting up there and seeing what it feels like, like floating like a bird. She says her age certainly won't be holding her back. I asked my doctor about this, and he told me I can do anything I want, so this is what I'm doing. As Rosie prepared for her flight, these were her final words. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> Rosie's friends who were there today supporting her say she is the perfect example of how to live life to the fullest. They say Rosie is not only the life of the party, but also a great friend. That was wonderful. She just lifts you up. She just, Rosie's in there, no other like Rosie. It's amazing to see someone at that age with such a lust for life and being willing to just throw caution to the wind. After landing today like a pro, Rosie says she truly did feel like a bird up there in the sky. It's so peaceful and I would love to do it more often. And she says if her husband were here today, she would tell him this. Bill, you were wrong. I had a wonderful time. I'm still alive and I'm in one piece. And I do not do my checkbooks either. You were wrong there also. <laughs> Immediately after floating down, Rosie says she has added skydiving back to her bucket list for her 90th birthday. And she says she'll continue making the most of every single day. In Fayetteville, covering news where you live, Julian Eclipson, 5 News. Crazy finish for the Raptors, but starting with the Giants. We're going to start with the Giants. You won't believe how it ended in Toronto, and they're, they're, doing, they're dancing around a lot in the streets of Toronto. Is that great? We'll let you know it was great news anyway, but we'll, we'll get there in a moment. Giants up first. Uh, thanks, Jordan. The uh, Giants certainly delivered a gritty effort in Game 5 to stay alive in the Western Hockey League Finals. 
But that was on home ice. Tonight, their season was on the line again, but this time in Prince Albert. The Art Hausner Center is uh, one of the oldest and smallest rinks in the league, but it is a pit of despair for visiting teams. The Giants would need to overcome that hostility and atmosphere to force a Game 7. David Tendex starting in goal. They would need a huge game from him, but a worst possible start just 53 seconds in. Parker Kelly stopped on the first shot, but makes good on the rebound. one nothing. Prince Albert, but the Giants respond. This was important. Milos Roman bursts through. He is stopped by Ian Scott, but the Giants stick with it. Davis Kosh going to the net, takes the pass, and look at that backhander to the roof of the net. Great goal by Kosh. Ties it up 1-1. And then off the rush, Jared Dimitru to Owen Hardy, and the veteran rips it past Ian Scott. The Giants lead 2-1. But then as a power play just expired, dying seconds of the period, Giants cannot clear the puck, and it's Parker Kelly one more time. It was 2-2 after one. It's still 2-2. They are in the second intermission as the Giants hang and tough there in Prince Albert. More hockey in a moment, but first the Raptors playing with their season on the line tonight. A winner-take-all game seven against the 76ers with the winner getting the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Both teams have won by blowout on their home courts the last two games. The Raps hoping that trend continues tonight in Toronto. Kawhi Leonard averaging 31 points per game in these playoffs. And in the first, Kawhi with the steal. And the jam, it was a very low-scoring first quarter. Both teams shot horribly. A lot of great defense, though. 18-13 Toronto. Second quarter, more from the claw. Check out that drive. Gets hacked, makes the shot. Three-point play for Leonard. And then he will just go slap the ball away from Joel Embiid, who didn't see him on the blind side there. Races down and throws down. 13 for Kawhi. Toronto led 29-21. But Philly stayed close and then took their first lead on this James Ennis drive to the basket. 34-33 Sixers, but no worries. Kawhi Leonard, ridiculous scoop layup there. 15 in the first half for Kawhi. Kyle Lowry, aggressive to the basket, gets the basket and one. Toronto led 44-40 at the half. Now Toronto stretched the lead to nine early third, but then Philly went on a 16-0 run. Joel Embiid with the drive and foul, a three-point play. The Sixers built up a seven-point lead, but the NBA is a game of runs, and Toronto goes on one of their own. Kawhi's jumper is no good, but Serge Ibaka with the offensive rebound and put back 14 big points off the bench at that point for Serge. Fourth quarter, everything on the line. Kyle Lowry hits a tough shot, wraps by one. More from Kawhi, drives, gets the foul, and the uh, gets the basket and the foul, 85-80. Kawhi had 36 at that point. And then off the inbounds pass, Kyle Lowry with the steal to Pascal Siakam for the layup, and Toronto looking good, up four. Now in the final seconds, Kawhi Leonard at the free throw line, could give the Raps a three-point lead, but he misses, and Jimmy Butler takes it the length of the floor, lays it in to tie it. 90-90 with just four seconds left. But the Raps have time. They inbound, and it's Kawhi for the win. And it's bounce, bounce, in. Are you kidding? 41 points for Leonard. His legend grows in the Raptor Nation as Toronto wins it 92-90. And they will meet Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals Game 1 Wednesday. Wow, what a finish in Toronto. Earlier from Denver, Game 7 Nuggets and Portland Trailblazers. Canadian Jamal Murray averaging 24 points per game in the series, driving and throwing it down here. The Nuggets 
Ashley led by 17 at one point. They led by six there in the third, but C.J. McCollum with the driving layup was a one-man wrecking crew for the Blazers. He had 37 points. Portland led by three late, but Murray hits the clutch jumper to cut the lead to one, but just too much C.J. McCollum. 17 of 29 from the field, including this dagger in the final seconds, and Portland goes into Denver, takes game seven, 100 to 96. It'll be Portland and Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Back to hockey, Prince George Spruce Kings playing their opener at the National Junior A Championships in Brooks, taking on Oakville, Ontario. Second period, tied at one. Patrick Kazi with the deflection just trickles past the goalie. 2-1 for the Spruce Kings. Then on the power play, Kazi sets up Ben Poisson for the quick release. And it's 3-1 Prince George. Third period, Ben Brar will drop for Jay Karanen, who will fire it in, and the Spruce Kings cruise to the win. 5-1 the final. They play again tomorrow versus the Ottawa Junior Senators. Eastern Conference Game 2, Bruins and Carolina Hurricanes from Boston. First period already 1-0 Bruins. Jake DeBrusque on the power play, parked in front. One chance, two chances past Peter Morazic. 2-0 Bruins after the first period. Second period, they'll add to the lead. Marcus Johansson just waits and waits and waits. Great patience, finds Connor Clifton, who gets his first-ever playoff goal into the wide-open net, 3-0. And then Matt Grizzlick with his second of the game on the backhander, 4-0. Boston in charge in this one, and they keep piling on in the third. Langley's Danton Heinen with a nice move here, making it 6-0 his second of the playoffs as the Bruins rout the Hurricanes. 6-2 the final today in uh, Game 2. They take a 2-0 series lead. World Hockey Championship from Slovakia. Kyle Turris and Team Canada taking on Great Britain. The Brits in the top tier for the first time since 1994. As you might expect, it was one-sided. Troy Stetcher outletting to Jared McCann, who with some wizardry with the stick handling will set up by Anthony Mantha. And that made it 2-0 Canada after one. Second period, Canada adds to the lead. It's Anthony Mantha again. Nice feed to linemate Kyle Turris for the backhand deke. Three nothing, Canada in front. And then late in the second, Tyson Jost, who just arrived in Slovakia today, finds Dante Fabro, who hammers at home. The former Penticton V's teammates combining. Probably done that a couple hundred times back in their junior days. Five nothing after two. And then more in the third from Turris, who takes the feed from Mantha. Mantha had a five point game. Canada bouncing back with an 8-0 win over Great Britain after losing to Finland in their opener. And let's check out the Americans. Patrick Kane wearing the C for the U.S. Like Canada, lost their opener but bounced back against France. Kane to James Van Riemsdyk to Alex Debrinkat. Tic-tac goal for the U.S. And then Quinn Hughes. This should excite Canucks fans. This is what he does best. Skates the puck and then finds the open man, Colin White. 7-1, the USA wins over France. They are now 1-1. They face Finland tomorrow, and that'll be a much tougher task for the USA. Welcome back. There was a drama, but eh, maybe not that much drama in the final Sunday of the English Premier League season. It came down to Manchester City and Liverpool with a chance to hoist the trophy. Man City was in control. All they had to do was win their match against 17th place Brighton and Hove Albion, and they would be the champs for the second straight season. Man City, 56 more points than Brighton. They couldn't possibly lose, could they? Meanwhile, Liverpool had to win their match against Wolves and hope somehow City would be held to a draw. And when Sadio Mane scored, that at least gave Liverpool some hope. And then this happened. City surrenders the first goal to Brighton. Glenn Murray providing the shock waves. 
And there is hope for Liverpool. Man City fans distressed for all of about 30 seconds because that's all it took for Sergio Aguero to answer that opening goal by Brighton. Ties it up 1-1. And then they'll take the lead. Ermerk Laporte with the header gives City the lead 10 minutes later. And then Riyad Mahrez. This is spectacular. Makes it 3-1. And City can certainly smell the championship with uh, less than a half hour to go. And then icing on the cake, Ilkay Gundawan with the spectacular free kick. And it was a 4-1 final. Liverpool won 2-0, but it didn't matter. Man City go back-to-back, winning their fourth title in eight years. They are the EPL champs. HSBC Canada 7s from Langford, Canada and the U.S. meeting this morning in the Cup quarterfinals. 7-0 American second half, but Canada ties it. Charity Williams off to the races. Third try of the tournament for her. Canada converted, and they were tied 7-7 with under two to go. But the U.S. respond off the ensuing kickoff. Olive Kelter, the American captain, breaks a few tackles and then breaks the hearts of Team Canada as she takes it all the way for the try. And that was it. The U.S. win 12-7. Canada did beat Spain and then England in the fifth-place match. Rather than 31-7, New Zealand beat Australia in the cup final. Now, final of the Madrid Open top seed, Novak Djokovic against 20-year-old Greek Stefano Tsitsipa, who beat Rafa Nadal in the semis on Saturday, but the world number one in control from the outset in this one made it look fairly routine. Comes in for the forehand winner, took the opening set 6-3, and in the second set, Djokovic uh, had four match points on the fourth one. He made good. Another clean winner, and Djokovic beats Tsitsipa 6-3, 6-4 to win in Madrid and the French Open at Roland Garros on the red clay starts in just two weeks. Coming up, Mm -hmm. all right. Along with many other first-time moms today, the Duchess of Sussex is celebrating her first Mother's Day. Meghan and Prince Harry sharing this picture on their joint Instagram page of newborn baby Archie's feet. On the post, they say paying tribute to all mothers today, past, present, mothers-to-be, and those lost but forever remembered. Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor, who is seventh in line to the throne, was born on May 6th. It will be an extra special Mother's Day for one Edmonton mom. She had her baby last month in a grocery store parking lot. And as Albert Delatalla reports, a good Samaritan is now being recognized for jumping into action. Not even six weeks ago, these two women were strangers. But that'll change on April 2nd in this South Edmonton Superstore parking lot when Crystal Black started going into labor. I didn't think it was going to happen yet and I had a couple contractions that were unbearable in the store. By the time she got back to her truck, the woman knew she was in trouble. I was terrified. I was scared. I was embarrassed. I was in a public place. I was alone. Um, And I was in so much pain that I I was out of control. That's when Tamela Peters, who used to work as an EMT, heard her cries and opened her truck door. She was screaming in pain and um, it's very obvious, you know, she's like, the baby's coming, the baby's coming. Within minutes, the baby arrived, but she wasn't breathing at first. I just flipped her upside down and um, cleaned out her mouth with my pinky finger and let gravity kind of Worked the rest of this stuff out and she started to cough and that was good, just let her keep coughing and then she started to cry and as soon as she started to cry, that was good. Emergency crews arrived on scene moments later. 
Each month, Edmonton EMS helped deliver one to two babies outside of hospital. Sometimes we're delivering that baby, sometimes we've got a proud or scared dad holding that baby, or grandparent, and every now and then, like today, which is a little more rare, a complete stranger. EMS awarded Peters with a stork pin, normally reserved for EMS members who help deliver a baby in the field. It's the first time it's been awarded to a member of the public. I am so happy today. I've waited for this day for a month to actually meet you, meet your family, hold your baby. I don't know how to describe the feeling. Um, I just I was so happy that she was okay. Albert Delatala, Global News. Great story. Yeah, that Great baby will have, a, have a, a birthday no story kidding. that no one else will probably have. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a change is coming in the forecast. Yes, uh, cooler temperatures uh, for our work week, and we are going to see rain developing on Tuesday. That looks to be when we'll see the heaviest precipitation, but still unsettled with on and off showers. So be prepared. We've gone from this record-breaking heat to now cooler temperatures, but it's still going to be a nice dry start to our Monday. All right. Thanks for joining us for the Sunday News Hour. Happy Mother's Day to all their mothers out there. To my mom and my grandma, love you both. Good night. Good night. Good night.